Science AF. Science AF. This is the new intro I made. Science AF. Much more laid back Science than last Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Who are the voices on it? Science AF. Science as fuck. That was me. The, the lady was me. <gasps> Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho, and I'm Science as fuck. This is a little bit different. Uh, we've been off for a couple months, and I've been sort of uh, retooling the podcast and my own brain. I'm back. Welcome and back, I'm redoing Dave. it. Thanks. No host this time. I'm, I'm coming back with a one-on-one, sort of uh, more laid-back, sort of uh, uh, Science AF Before Dark. <laughs> Science AF before dark, but in our hearts, it's very dark. But it's very dark, and it's, if you're listening <laughs> to this live in Croatia, it's after dark. And also, how did you get a microphone into my apartment? My guest today is a uh, producer extraordinaire, a comedy writer, all around uh, Hollywood. Gil Barron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Tell us a little bit. We we can get into more details at the end, but but uh, you're working on you're always working on like a bunch of projects. So well, luckily, I'm working on a big a thing with you right now. That's true. That is true. We're doing the third year of Pacella, and Pacella is the comedy music festival. We, the it's the it's the one. I mean, there you know, there's like um there's like an improv music festival that I think happens at the clubhouse once a year, and you know everyone knows about Clusterfest and about um what was the the Tenacious D one from a few years ago. Um, uh, uh, the fuck her gently set. <laughs> um, well, there were like some festivals that sort of came out and were like, "Yeah, hey, we're going to be the comedy music festival," but Pacella is really the only one that is strictly comedy plus music equals show. You know, right? Like the those other ones would have like, "Oh, the Goo Goo Dolls are." Or, I mean, the Foo. <laughs> Fi- I got the, I get the Goo Goo Dolls and the Foo Fighters confused. Is that which amazing? one is the comedy band? <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have these guys playing, and then they would have the Lonely Island come on and be like, "Well, all right, that's music and comedy." This is comedy music. This is what this, this all com- yeah. There's uh, it's not like alternating music and then comedy. Right. All of the comedy will be musical and all the music will be comedy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then this so. year we even have, you know, we started doing this last year, but this is the second year we're going to have a burlesque team doing a, a full burlesque show. That show was awesome last year, by last the way. Last year it was, it was so was, much fun. It, it was, was Mel Brooks themed. Sold out, standing room only. It was called Blazing Tassels. Everybody was hooting and hollering and going crazy. It was crazy. amazing. And this um, year they're doing a tribute to Bill Murray, and it's going to be called Bill Murlesque. Uh-huh. And that's going to be Saturday night, the 29th. So this whole festival is going to be at the Pack Theater, uh, the 28th through the 30th, at the Pack Theater. Los in Angeles in Hollywood, California. Mm-hmm. Um, There's going to be amazing shows every night. Pacella. It's the, it's the Coachella of comedy in Los Angeles if Coachella was fun and cool and was not in the desert. <laughs> and not <laughs> disgusting, yeah. Uh, look, we have the Cooties, we have Ali Gertz, we have Drennan Davis, we have Luke Null, we have uh, uh, Regan and Watkins is playing, we have the Funny Dance Show from the Comedy Store, uh, including like Hannah Mae Lee is going to be on that show from Pitch Perfect. Um, we have so many... somebody from uh, Drag Race? Yeah, we have a Drag Race too. person, yeah. Um, um, yeah, amazing lineup. Justin so Martindale, uh, just, a, just an incredible murderer's row of comedians doing music so what i was saying before was so we have burlesque we also have dance in the show so we've kind of broadened the uh the definition of comedy music is going to include funny dance as well mm-hmm. so we're just super excited dance music hip-hop there's going right. to be some uh, right. 
some burlesque, some spitting rhymes. There's going to be some spitting rhymes. There's going to be some singer songwriters playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, I'm also uh, helping write the Nikki Urban show, which is the Friday night of the uh, festival. So anyway, a great uh, lineup. So it's a three days, uh, 28, 29, 30, right? Right. Um, June. In June, in June, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Coming up very shortly. Um, what else? So you, you do shows over at the Improv. You've done shows at IO and UCB and all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just coughed. Um, yes, uh, yeah. So if you want to know like my comedy history, why I'm interesting to have on a podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> State your case for yeah. being here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I used to be in development. I was at Comedy Central. I was at DreamWorks. And that's kind of how I like became known in the comedy world as kind of the suit. I was like the guy who worked at the network, but I would be coming out to shows all the time and like taking classes and stuff. Well, you were the network guy that could also write comedy and be funny. <laughs> yeah. Which is, mm, what, one or two people? That's in very kind of you. Los Angeles? But you know, so many people that I used to work with as an assistant are now kind of like starting to take classes and do that thing. Like, I've always wanted, sorry, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to be yeah. an actor. And I was like, well, okay. I guess... Now's the time. Everybody does. Well, I mean, so there's yeah, so a I thousand done, improv classes a sure. day anywhere you you are. Um, so if I you're in a town like, that doesn't have improv classes, yeah. uh, start them up. We could probably send you a starving that's true improviser to, to, to teach be your class. teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I had done uh, Monster Party was the show that I started doing um, uh, producing with, and that mm-hmm. was Carlos Orlando and Josh Hoover, who's on The Walking Dead, and. Uh, Nikki McKenzie, who's on a mod team now, and lots of uh, lots of other people, and uh, we had won like the iOS scripted competition, and um, you know the last few people standing on Monster Party kind of poured it over to that show. It's past my bedtime, which was Topher Harless's late night show. Yeah, which you did for years, for a couple years. Yeah, I was like the head writer uh, on that. It was um, co-host a couple different theaters, right? No, it was just at the On My Ribs. At the On My Ribs. It was only at the On My Ribs. Uh, and then um, we had we had done like special showcases at I.O. and we had tried to do a spank at UCB. And uh, like at the cool. same time, I was producing the goddamn Comedy Jam, which is also part of like where this comedy music obsession kind of comes from. Language. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. The, so I was with the Comedy Jam before it got on Comedy Central and uh, then did the CBS showcase. We did that at the same time. Yep. We wrote for that together yeah. and... Oh, Oh, 16. Oh, yeah, oh, 15, oh, 16. Well, uh, Gina Gusto was one of the writers on Past My Bedtime. And, right. And he was like, Gil, come. And he was our head year. writer. He was the year. head writer that year. So he like specifically asked me to come aboard. And while I was doing Showcase with you, I was um, producing UCB Digital. And um, kind of at the same time, the pack was becoming seven days a week, sort of as we were finishing up Showcase. The and pack theater, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, is a place we both... Uh, Volunteer work, produce, and uh, perform. That's right. Uh, it was a great place. Yeah, so I started up uh, your late night show tonight at the Pack Theater. I was doing the 88 show at the Improv at the exact same time. But yeah, uh, your late night became really my baby, and now we're close to three years. Um, do you want to have an exclusive uh, to find out who the next host oh, is? Yeah. This is Did a, you see that post this today? Is, a one-time, is this the first announcement? This is the very first announcement. This, we got a scoop Because I've been watching the um, this guy's Showtime special. So he sent uh, all of the writers. We're starting. The oh, writer, I know who you're gonna say. We're starting the writers' room on Monday night. Yeah. And um, so we met with this guy the other day, and uh, and he sent us the first cut of his Showtime special. 
he it's not released yet it's just specifically for us to look at to like have ideas to come in to for to write uh, uh late night segments with him uh it's tone bell yes yeah. i was hoping you were gonna say that yeah um he's been in a lot of stuff i i was one of the few people who watched and enjoyed um Disjointed. I don't know Netflix. that you're, I don't know that it's a few people. I think or maybe people. Don't, I think that's the thing. Are ashamed that to talk like, about it because I think it was think really it was good. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it a lot. It but great. nobody talks about it. Tone said to me that he's still best friends with Kathy Bates. Oh, great! Like he and I Kathy mean, Bates talk every week. It was in in parts <laughs> really dumb, like a sitcom, but in other parts like really cool. Like they did some awesome animated stuff with Tone, and he had this like PTSD like story going yeah. on. And also then there was like uh, Betsy Sodaro and Chris Red, who they would just let get high and improvise and do a super cut of like two of the funniest improvisers on the yeah. planet, do, uh, like doing high improv. Um, I recommend that show. And so Tone so, is yeah, coming to the pack. July, that's, that's really awesome. I want to say the 12th. Whatever it is, it's going to be the second Friday in July. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're following at your late night on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll get all the announcements for that. Um, the other thing he's known for besides disjointed was the Whitney show. He was like the mm-hmm. third lead on Whitney. Whitney, not the Whitney show. Whitney, Whit- Whitney. just Whitney, right? The Whitney show <laughs> <laughs> brought to you Welcome by Kellogg's. Welcome to the Whitney show. <laughs> um, yeah. Whitney, uh, Cummings show Whitney. Yeah. And uh, what was he with on? like Lauren Lapkus was on. Was the one he was on last year? Was the guy uh, gets a pilot every single year? Yeah, he's been. In a lot it of ends stuff. up going a season every single year. He's brilliant. People love him. He's such a funny stand-up. He's going to have a special coming out on Showtime uh, this year. But you're going to get to see him for pay what you can price at the Pack Theater the second week of June or July. Cool. I mean. All right. All right. Well, enough about. Not them this is about us hell yeah and pack you and me in science oh yeah, yeah. and pack Chella. for sure um let's get into some science before we, we get to let, let, let's start in the past oh you want to ask me about why i'm learning science um well tell me about how like your relationship with science and also generally i want th- this is what i want to build up to yeah what do you think is happening in our world and universe and what, what, what's your favorite theory of what's going on what, what are the ideas that you like that you that that that, that excite you about a human about the world and, yeah. and and where we come from and who we are but also uh, tell me about your uh, your background in science you're taking classes right now i'm taking some classes right now so my background is that i was never ever good at it um i was a kid that was way more into the arts uh way more into writing um I would self-diagnose a calculia. Like I look at numbers <laughs> and I just they just cross my eyes. I just don't get it, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's fine. Like no sure. shame on a calculia, you know. It's <laughs> it's a real thing. Um, but I I just I just can't uh, put two numbers together to save my life. And um, but it, was it the sort of thing where you were sort of fascinated by the ideas, but you couldn't get past the definitely. amount of that's definitely trigonometry. Because I'm a big comic book person. A uh, big Star Trek person. Yeah, so you've been into sci-fi since you were young. Right? Yeah, Star Trek specifically and comics specifically. But I think the thing that like got me interested in physics was uh, Grant Morrison. Um, do you ever read Grant Morrison? Did you ever read like, um, The Invisibles or Doom Patrol or any of that? Because he had done in the nineties. No, I don't. Think in the nineties, so. they gave him JLA, the Justice League. The I big... feel like I read some of his stuff 
online. He's a really something. interesting guy. Like, he's into like occult and magic. He's into occult. He's into metaphysics. Like I, right. I've read some of his occult stuff. Um, not that I like believe in occult stuff, but quote, quote unquote. But I like it, right? you know I, I like entertaining all theories of uh, the world and the universe. So I've read a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so, so Grant so Morrison. He, he was writing JLA. And, um, you know, it's all very nonsense science fiction, but, like, through the lens of Grant Morrison, he really, like, was making people interested in these science, the science fact behind the science fiction. Mm-hmm. So uh, he would write a lot about, like, metaphysics and, you know, the the just stuff that I don't even know the names for, but just, like, you know, there are all these great science heroes in DC Comics, like the Atom or the Flash, that, like, take real physics and just, like, kind of melt your brain talking about like the crazy theories and where you could go with it Mm -hmm. so i really liked how big he made the world and when i got to high school when there was a physics class offered i like jumped at it and promptly failed Mm -hmm. um just because just because of the math part but i really loved the concepts i really enjoyed um just learning physics i took a great class i wish they had these everywhere it was it was more, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was more about the philosophy of physics. So stripped of math, I took math classes too, and I enjoyed them. But but just talking with a professor and a lecturer just about like what is you know the philosophy of all this that's happening. I would have I would have loved based that. on what our observations yeah. are. Um, that's that's where I get excited about science. Yeah, it's just very too. like in the philosophical uh, part of it, um, and. Uh, recently I've gone back to school just to take some science classes, you know, with the goal of LACC, LACC. I've taken some LACC classes. I love the community college system. Yeah. If there's one thing I can plug on this entire (laughs) podcast, it's the LA community college system because it's a place where like housekeepers go to become lawyers. It is like such an amazing resource that everyone should be taking advantage of. Or just just any, like if you're an adult, whatever your profession is, just, you know, if you're interested in something, go take, you know, three to five hours of classes and, uh, and, you know, think about it, learn it completely. Um, I love it. I've taken some, some film classes and some science and astronomy and stuff over the years. So the classes I was taking, uh, this semester and last semester, I took some medical terminology. Uh, this semester, I took anatomy, and I also took uh, radiologic technology. And radiologic technology. Yeah, right. that would be the uh, we'll get the, into that. That would be the formal name for like medical imaging. Okay. So it's sort of like getting into the world of like X-ray tech or sonography or mammography or bone densitometry or magnetic resonance imaging or you know ct scanning okay so these are mostly computed tomography <laughs> they're they're uh they use the technologies that use uh, radiation in some form yeah for right. the most part imaging and in some cases and for therapeutic use radiation being pretty much anything on the spectrum from X-rays at the high end. Um, we we talked about this the other day. What does it go? It's like X-rays, it goes gamma and yeah, X-rays. Gamma. Then the, the those are the X-Men. Those are the rays that turn you into superheroes yeah. or villains. Uh, uh, ultra, uh, it's uh, infrared, Ul- ultraviolet, ultraviolet high, at the, top. the high energy. Okay. Yep, ultraviolet. Uh, the, the invisible spectrum, infrared, the visible light. Then roid you backwards, so it's VI. Blah blah blah. Right, right. Uh, right. So a longer wavelength one would be the the infrared, which is heat. Yeah. And then it gets into microwaves and radio waves. And radio waves, and then yeah, 
Yeah, and beyond radio waves, you don't really need to know. 93.7. The, the longest, the, uh, whatever the longest wavelength energy could be, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. And like those things when... So did uh, you get into the physics in that class of... Yeah, radio we've been waves? getting into the physics a lot, and it's been very difficult for me. Um, the closest I've gotten to understanding any of the math is really just the inverse square law, because it's just very simply like knowing, you know, what's the energy going to be if you pull the the X-ray tube, you know, another somewhat distance back. Okay, that so that's like how the electric field falls off as you go that's further exactly away. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really just because there's like dispersion of the energy because you know from the from the tube it's just kind of like it's going in sort of a conical shape it's like scattering everywhere you know x-rays get, uh, scattering out of the tube scattering out of the tube they're like going out in, the, in sort of a pyramid or conical shape are you talking about for like an x-ray image yeah well like from the x-ray tube to you and then the image detector would be behind you uh-huh. as the patient and just uh you know the the and X-rays are going to have the highest energy. It makes it closest to the tube. An image and of as your you get teeth. further away, you're going to get. It's the same concept as a flashlight, right? Like if you hold a flashlight really close to your hand, you're going to see the light really focused and really bright. And the further away you take the flashlight away from your hand, the more diffuse it is. Okay, so that's when you get the uh, dental X-rays. They bring that thing right into your yeah. Your it's face, a really low energy. So you get X-ray. a really focused burst of yeah cancer <laughs> yeah it is it's it's uh, ionizing radiation it can uh, it can have an effect but luckily, yeah. luckily because with your mouth like the only tissue between you and your bones is just that cheek mm. or your lips or whatever yeah like, that's not a lot of tissue between you and the bone that they have to image so yeah they don't really and need it's not a lot of radiation no. but we're always being bombarded by radiation um, it's super fun to think about things are flying through us at all times of our right. lives. Um, and most yeah, of them like don't give us cancer, although... I remember it blowing my mind. After a while. Going back can. to, like, Grant Morrison. Like, I was just a, a kid. I really didn't know anything about science at all. But um, there was, like, this storyline of uh, Dark Side takes over the Earth, right? And mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out how to get through Dark Side's personal shield to get to get to him. You can't you can't hit him with anything. Wait, Dark, this, is Dark, Dark Side, Side is, a DC character? Yeah, he's like the DC version of Thanos. Oh, okay. So he's like the big, big, big bad, right? Yeah. So it was, he had this like personal shield, and you couldn't get anything through him. You could try to hit him with a nuke, and nothing would go through, right? And then uh, the Atom figures out, well, there's obviously one thing that gets through because he can see, which means that light can get through. Uh-huh. So he, so the Atom goes as small as a light particle, as small as a photon, and gets through Darkseid's shield. And that was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's that philosophy of physics that you were talking about. Like, very simple ideas of, like, when you think there's no solution, there's always going to be a solution just by virtue of yeah. how physics works. The great thing about sci-fi is you can learn it up to a point, and then you can use your imagination yes. from that point on right. and come up with some really cool shit um, of sometimes dubious uh, uh, reality, yeah. but, you know, For that's sure. the fun part of telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um all right, well, let's get into the present. I sent you a link uh, to a video because I've been hearing a lot about this thing. And it's relating to radiation called the M drive or the EM drive, the electromagnetic. Yeah, I watched this video four times. <laughs> and what did you get from it? <laughs> um, I got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a bunch of stuff on it last night. There's yeah. no real good explanation for it, although that PBS guy 
I forgot his name that I sent you is is pretty good at explaining things. It oh. was pretty good after a while. I kind of got it because, I mean, you can explain the science behind it, but I was just confused because it seemed like it was just a microwave. It was just a microwave. It's just and a microwave like that. that moves through space. Right. Kind of. It's the... Um, so we're not sure yet. The science community of the worldwide is not sure yet if this is a real thing or not. But uh, several experiments have have measured a little bit of thrust from this machine. It's a thruster. They're trying to make a spaceship thruster, basically. Right, but it's a microwave but inside of a copper kind Inside of, of a copper cone. And I wonder why so copper. I'm, I'm the, let you gonna, I'll let you finish. But, but there was like what was actually really interesting to me was like because what I've been learning in the x-ray stuff is that the materials that they shoot photons at to create x-rays really, really matters. Yeah. Because they'll use tungsten or molybdenum. I don't know why copper. I think because it reflects the microwaves really well. Mm -hmm. And so what it is... It's not going to absorb It seems to be a closed system. It's a copper. It's like a bell-shaped, like a cone-shaped copper thing that's closed on both ends. And they shoot microwaves into it. And the microwaves bounce back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and somehow that bouncing of microwaves inside this closed bell seems to move it along a little bit which shouldn't happen the the, the um okay and i mean that could be related to the heat that gets created right. by, the, by the microwave we're not sure if they they might it might be experimental error they might just be accidentally measuring a heat buildup and and measuring that as some sort of thrust right. but they're they're a lot of independent experiments, and this is includes in China and in the U.S. and in Europe, have determined they they think they found a little bit of power, like on the order of uh, uh, like twenty micronewtons, and like the gravity pulls us down with ten newtons. So so twenty micronewtons is like a a millionth of or not well, it, it's like a, a a thousandth of gravity. So it's very small. But they think that there's a little bit of force there, and nobody knows why it is. Like the the thing that that uh, this guy says in the video is, it's like being inside your car and pushing on the steering wheel and expecting right. it to move the car forward, right. which you can't do because of conservation of momentum. When you push on your steering wheel, you're you're also pushing backwards on your seat, so right. it cancels it out. And you would think that if microwaves are bouncing around in a closed jar that they couldn't push because their equally momentum is equally dispersed on both sides. So what but what people think is might be happening is we know quantum physics tells us we're pretty sure that out in space and everywhere in the universe the fabric of the universe it's not empty there's like little particles that they call virtual particles that pop in and out of existence all all the time and they sort of uh, and they they're they're so quick they just pop in and and, and annihilate each other. It's it's how um, uh, one thing called Hawking radiation. We we uh, uh, Stephen Hawking found that um, black holes can evaporate very slowly, and it's because of these virtual particles. And if two of them form together right at the uh, event horizon of a black hole, and one of them gets sucked in and the other one pulls out. Uh, that's how, that's how black holes slowly evaporate over billions of years, from this little like little fluctuations and 
energy fields in the universe. So what they're thinking might be happening is that inside this closed bell, these microwaves are somehow pushing off of the actual like the virtual particles that are prevalent everywhere throughout the fabric of space. Um, so instead of pushing on your steering wheel, it's more like pushing against like an invisible ether inside your car that makes your, your car move. So that's kind of what they're thinking might be happening. What's great about it, just as a Star Trek nerd, yeah, is just philosophically, if it's something that's real, then it's the very, 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 very first steps of something bigger, right? Of because getting out of our solar system. <clears throat> yeah. Of colonizing uh, the other planets. it just means we don't have to take fuel with us. Right. It means that we just have to take this machine. So that's why it's so exciting that every rocket we have expels mass out the back. It's like, you know, rocket fuel has to shoot out the back. And when you do that, you have to carry a bunch of fuel and you have to use it. And then when you're out of it, you're dead in you the water. You fucked, yeah. Um, and this thing works, it's not without any energy, it works by electricity, which, you know, you can get, if you're out in space, you can collect solar electricity and power your microwave and go wherever you want forever, presumably, because you don't have to, like, carry any mass with you. And you take some Totino's pizza rolls with you and the engine's cooking you lunch. Yeah, they, (laughs) you're great. Your hot pockets are ready by the time you get to Alpha Centauri. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get yourself one of those, uh... Wolfgang Puck pizzas, yeah, with the goat cheese on it. Yeah, but don't eat it. Let it cool before you eat it because yeah, don't burn your. As Jim Gaffigan told us, those things are hot inside. <laughs> in all of his comedy specials, yeah. Um, I like that comedy. I'm just giving he's, him shit. He's amazing. Um, did you watch his show on TV Land? No, I didn't. It was, it was really good. What was it? Was it, was it like very a, much like like, like, a, like a family a Louis, sitcom thing? No. It was much more like a Louis kind of thing. Oh. I know it's out of like fashion. Like Louie with, without Louis. The, uh, the, the the weird sex uh, impro- improprieties? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim Gavigan is a very decent human he's being. A, he's has five a very, children and yeah. you know, a lovely wife. And uh, He's a family man that uh, doesn't curse on stage. So yeah, he's sort of almost the anti-Louie. No, 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 because like the the comedy's still very deep and it's very um Yeah, yeah. very thoughtful and very it's still very uh uh, uh weighty. There's a lot of a lot of layers to it. Yeah. So I would recommend I didn't mean to imply it. that the comic has to take his dick off to be out to be no, deep. No. <laughs> but it can't hurt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um so yeah, it's exciting they the, the also the idea is when you're when you're out in space, you don't have to have a lot of um acceleration because it builds up really quick if you have just a constant acceleration you can get really fast really uh fast um so right so like like, if you you start some uh acceleration in space there's nothing that's going to slow you down there's no friction out in the vacuum of space so any any additional acceleration you add to it just kind of builds on it yeah exactly okay um so it doesn't take it doesn't take more energy to get to I'm, I'm making up uh, a speed, but 100 miles per hour, you know, you just turn on the, the the machine again for however long at the same energy level to get you to 200 miles per hour. Yeah, and it, it's exponential, so getting to 200 is even faster than getting to 100, and then you're at 400, and before you know it, yeah. you're at 1,600. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I read somewhere that we could get to Mars possibly if we built one of these um, obviously, a lot bigger than the micro newtons. If we if we built one with a thousand of these on it and 
shot it to Mars, we could get there in like a third the time that we're getting there now. Which, also, which assuming it worked. Years. Assuming that it works. And also, we could probably get to, you know, a different star system. We know there's planets <clears throat> within um, four light years from here. Mm -hmm. So... We can't go the speed of light, even with this, but if we can go even a fraction of the speed of light, maybe get possibly someday we can make that trip in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years or something. That's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, big, big Star Trek nerd, and, I always, and I'm always thinking about uh, how... So Star Trek takes place in one galaxy. It takes place in our galaxy. Mm -hmm. It's us 500 years from now, and that's... Or 400 years from now. And that's the thing that's always like been super attractive about Star Trek to me. Is that there's not a lot of magic to it. It's just like us in this many years, right? Yeah. And um, the big kind of MacGuffin of the whole thing is this faster than light travel. But even, you know, this show Voyager that they had in the late 90s, early 2000s. Was like they got had sh been shot all the way to the other side of the galaxy. To the point where they're like even at maximum warp. It's going to take us 75 years to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, really? That was like the whole concept of Did that show. Did they throw out warp drive in Voyager? Or they no, no, they still, they still go warp 7? Is that the limit or something like that? Yeah, there was like, people could go up to warp 9 or warp 10, but at some point in Next Generation they had an episode that it was like environmentally unsafe, that it was like creating uh, creating anomalies. Chemtrails. Yeah. Throughout the universe. For sure. Um, well, just, you know, like, uh, we don't, we don't, know a lot about how space works and how that vacuum works and there's things yeah. like it's like, such like a weird said, those particles and there's dark matter out there and there's whatever and like who knows what who knows what even this kind of drive the microwave drive could be doing to that like theoretic tearing across i mean who knows right like you, you, you think in your head like microwaves exist out in the out in space anyways there's all these cosmic rays out there there's all this radiation out in space but like I don't know, maybe adding that microscopic extra amount of microwaves, maybe that does do something. I don't know. Yeah. There was what I read today on this is um one of the theories says that so the this EM drive is pushing against uh right, but it doesn't expel any fields. Anything. But it doesn't expel All anything, the microwaves stay inside. But it's pushing against a field and it said it leaves behind a degraded field behind it, whatever that means. So like I said, all the universe all of empty space has these little particles, this little field of energy, and maybe you could push off of it, but you might degrade it a little bit. Uh, it's a probably force that binds us all together, you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that climate change is happening galaxy-wide. Yeah. Open your eyes, people. Uh, is the galaxy expanding or just the universe? The, both. Both the galaxy yeah. is expanding also? The universe is expanding, the galaxy with it. Yeah. So even if we try to travel across the galaxy, it's like... It's like being in a pool when you're five years old and your dad just keeps taking a step back. It's like, ah, swim to me. Yeah, swim exactly. To it, is, it is moving away from us. Um, is our solar system getting bigger also? Um, yeah. Is I mean, it, all is of space every, is expanding, expanding at the same rate, pretty much, I think. Um, I read somewhere that like in a thousand years, the light from other galaxies won't reach us anymore because it'll be too far away. So we'll just have the Milky Way. Right now, if you look up in the sky, you see mostly Milky Way, but you also can see, like... With a powerful telescope, you can see, uh, like, galaxies. Yeah, yeah, with the telescope. I think you can probably see with your eye at galaxies. Maybe not. I don't know. I wouldn't they be would able be to gone. distinguish between a galaxy and a star. I wouldn't either. Maybe you can't eye. see them, actually. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be gone, even with telescopes. Really? That's a lonely thought. Yeah. 
Um, and that'll be right around the time when we're able to, you know, to really communicate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Warp drive also is weird because, like, ten times the speed of light is such a weirdly meaningless thing. Meaningless, spinning yeah. light is kind of instantaneous. In as a far sense. as we know, the speed of light is the fastest possible thing. Yeah, because like, people think of it as light moving through space, but this is what always blows my mind. From the perspective of light, it's not moving at all. It instantly starts and stops from where it begins and ends, no matter how far it is, because light doesn't, it has no mass, so it doesn't experience any time. And like, as you, you know, as we accelerate closer to the speed of light, our time slows down and slows down and slows mm. down. And if you actually were to go the speed of light, time would stop. Meaning, if you started here and you ended at the other end of the universe on a planet, it would be instant for you. But somehow, strangely, the way time works, the rest of the universe would be aging around you in that instant that you travel. So Scary. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing about going warp is you can't really go faster than instantaneous, um, which is also weird about this, this EM drive because these microwaves, um, they kind of... Here's what I was reading today. I hadn't realized this before. Electromagnetic radiation like microwaves or even light, it doesn't bounce off stuff. It doesn't? No. According to quantum mechanics, photons don't bounce. They're absorbed and re re-emitted yes, that's immediately. A, that's the thing I was kind of learning a lot about. Um, a lot of the stuff in this x-ray class is about like protecting you as the person taking the x-ray, right? Right. So that's why you're behind shielding. You, the person, you put lead on the person. You try and collimate. Any um, any radiation coming out of the machine, you keep it specifically to the the area you're trying to image. All of these things you do to make make sure that radiation they call it scatter. The, the, there's no scatter radiation; it doesn't bounce off and like hit you and because if, and you, you don't absorb you, it. Yeah, right. Because if you absorb undiagnostic radiation, that's just you absorbing radiation for no reason, and that just is unsafe. And yeah. you just don't you just don't need it, right? Like we're uh, constantly absorbing radiation from the sun, for instance, like. You know, white light that hits us from the sun, we absorb it. It doesn't hurt because and it's UV it's a low energy. And uh, infrared, infrared right. can be harmful, and UV can be harmful. Right, um, but w- luckily we have a we have an ozone layer in an atmosphere that protects us from a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So mostly, th- what hits us is color, colored light, and it we absorb it and we reflect it. That's how you see somebody. Right is. Um, I, I'm sorry, we, we say reflect, but what really happens is you absorb those photons and then you re-emit you those emit photons. another photon. And every photon that like comes from the sun and hits your eye, nobody else in the universe can ever see that photon. It's just between you and the sun. And, it, and according as far as that photon is concerned, you and the sun are the only things that exist. And you're like, it's a direct connection. Or even when you're looking at somebody... It's a photon that's being emitted from your skin well, and hitting like, my I'm look, eye. I'm looking at you right now, and we're you know you have this beautiful light coming on you right now from the from the light in your in your room. And yeah, come all over me, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like this light is bouncing off of you and hitting my eye. Yeah, but, but really, what it's doing is the it's sun just hitting you. It's hitting me, and my what's hitting me? Skin is absorbing it and then emitting another photon. That's hitting your eye. So we're all the photons that are hitting your eye from me are like 
a direct, timeless <laughs> connection between us looking at each other right now. But like theoretically, you know, if you were surrounded by a thousand people and they were all looking at you, it's the same thing. They're looking at the light bouncing off of you, mm-hmm. and then to them. So it's it's just this insane amount of um, atoms and particles that are being reflected and exchanged between all things. Yeah. And like when people say, like if you look at a star that's a million light years away, people say, well, you're looking into the past because that star is gone now. But really, from the perspective of that photon, you're looking, you're directly linked instantaneously to that star a hundred million light years away. And, And that photon... Because photons don't interact with anything; they just they start and they end. They never interact with anything in the middle. They they might change course because of gravity or whatnot. But that's what's amazing to me is that like every photon your eye sees, nobody else can see or detect or anything. It either hits your eye or it doesn't. So we're all connected, universe wide. Wow, that's really beautiful. I, I think it's pretty cool, and that's what M drive means to me. <laughs> I hope it works. It's very probable it won't. Like there, <laughs> there was a yeah, thing. It might just be nothing. There was a thing like five years ago where Italian scientists said that they had sent a particle faster than light. Um, uh, what do they call it? A, a, a neutrino, faster than light neutrino. I think it was found out that their GPS was off, basically, because everybody's like. I don't think that it you doesn't did sound right. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we did. What do you mean we didn't do it? Look at the thing. It says right here. It's coming before the other one. I don't do Italian voices. It's I, the only you, one I can do legally. <laughs> Perhaps a little Scottish, but I'm not very good at it. All right, I'll handle all Jewish voices. You can do the Jewish <laughs> Let's do an improv with all voices that we can do <laughs> without getting in trouble. All right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm 10% Middle Eastern, according to 23andMe. So let's go. Okay. So this is another science AF thing. Is I don't mm-hmm. necessarily trust 23andMe yet. Even for um, comedy bits? <laughs> for comedy bits, perfectly. Yeah, that's perfectly trustworthy. I just don't think it's... it's you know, we, we're still learning a lot about, like, DNA science, right? Yeah. And I think, um, so the thing that I was always indoctrinated with in, like, my old, like, anthropology courses and stuff is that, like, we really don't have that much genetic difference between humans. It's yeah. not super significant. There's, like, 2% difference between us and bonobos. Right, right. Right? And, so, like, yeah, it's, like, something like 5% between us and mosquitoes. It's like yeah. really weirdly Just small. by virtue of being made of carbon, we're all really similar, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so between me and someone who's ethnically, uh, you know, uh, ethnically Asian or something, there's really not that much difference, which is partially why the idea of like racism is such, you know, racism itself is bullshit. Don't, yeah. you can't hate another person. They're as close to you as another being it's a total can be. construct of uh, that happens in our brains. It, yeah, it's a social we, thing. You have to learn that people who have slight different looks right. are different. Yeah, right. And so, so yeah, if, if our skin color is slightly different, or our eyes, or our lips, or our noses look a little different, like that's it's not statistically significant in terms of your DNA. So I just not at all. I just see this twenty three in me, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to tell me that you can tell 
that I'm from Eastern Europe. You can tell I'm from South Africa. You can you can tell I'm from South America or whatever. Like I just I just don't think it's there yet. It doesn't does doesn't quite make like I, I saw there was like there some are, yeah there was an experiment about triplets who all did it and they all got slightly different results oh is that right yeah i didn't hear about that um sure it's not exact but <laughs> there just, there are trends you can do the da- you can do data analysis and and see that some uh s- some chunks of our genome are more prevalent in certain areas, especially before humans started traveling the globe, you know they were right. They were they were a little bit more. Um, there was a time when our our individual traits were flourished because of our segregation globally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of your climate and because of just random factors, <clears throat> different you know genes tended to group in different places sure and um, but like as society continues on as we are a more global society we are all going to start being mixed much oh, much absolutely. more and it's really not going to take very very long at all for um our all of our looks and all of our genes to kind of homogenize and and spread a little bit further you know yeah and i was just reading this is an, uh, an article i was reading today they recovered Chewing gum, ten thousand year old chewing gum that, that had that what... intact DNA in it, human DNA. I don't understand what that, what's ten thousand year old chewing gum. It, Do it people was really chew? Hubba Bubba, <laughs> strawberry, <laughs> the Long oldest, lasting. the oldest gum, and it still had flavor. Okay, so it was. It this was found was in... behind a corpse's ear, <laughs> <laughs> and under under a, his table at yeah. his, his desk elementary at... school. <laughs> school, um, it was. Found in um, around Sweden, around the northern Europe, and it was um, what it is is uh, birch bark or not bark, but uh, t- you know the sap, birch uh-huh, tree sure. sap. And if you if you boil it down, out of the it comes out of the bark, and you can make it into a, a gum like substance, and you can chew it. And it, they were because ten thousand years ago they were probably making boats around okay. northern Europe. That makes sense. So they were. Probably chewing up this uh, gum, not just because they wanted to go out on dates and get laid, but because they wanted to like is patch. That what chewing gum. Does? That's what I. <laughs> isn't isn't that why we chew gum? I mean, chewing gum is basically pointless unless you think you're going to kiss somebody, right? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you chew gum? No, maybe that's maybe that's why I'm so unlucky <laughs> with women. Oh man, I gotta chew. Some I mean, gum. like after you're a kid, you don't really chew gum, right? Unless you're like, in my head. Wait, unless you're I, like, I'm gonna see somebody that I'm attracted. You no, know, you're to. talking about breath, but in my head, what I thought you were talking about was like some cool guy, <laughs> like being like, I chew gum. I'm oh, a okay. fucking rebel. <laughs> Watch me chewing gum it, and spitting it out into the garbage can. You've never used chewing gum during sex. <laughs> To patch your canoe. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> um, that's what I'm getting to. Is is uh, they probably use it to patch canoes or to, to waterproof boats or something like that. Kind of a mortar, rather than it may not have been very tasty, <laughs> right? Or maybe they were just bored and they started chewing gum. Um, but the amazing thing is, they found some intact human DNA in the gum that hadn't degraded. I guess it like trapped it like the mosquito from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't work, by the way. They've it found doesn't work? they have found mosquitoes in amber, but all the DNA is too degraded to actually, oh. um, like bring back a T Rex. So far, 
but we have 10,000 year old human DNA. And what they found was it was interesting because they can start to track migration patterns of humans this way. And they found that they, the people that were in Northern Europe were more diverse than they thought. They, they came from like, like you say, it's not, it's not just, you know, a, one lineage of Europeans is people that seem to come from different places. Yeah. Um, there was so much trade going on in that time. Like, yeah, there, probably. Was, there was no, you're talking about 10,000 10, 10, years ago. Lots of nomadic. I don't even know if there was borders at that time. You know, there were all these tribes and, and there was nothing stopping any person from just saying, well, that's where the sun sets. That's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was, yeah, there was I'm going no, north of the wall. Yeah, there's no, you not, can't there wasn't stop anything me, stopping Sansa. Um, no, ga- no Game of Thrones? <laughs> no, yeah, I was super into Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, um, I, didn't yeah. hear, I didn't hear it, but, you know, I also, <laughs> uh, you know, I was one of those that was like, you know, finding out that uh, that the seasons of Game of Thrones after George R. R. Martin's books were done were going to be predictable was about as predictable as knowing that they were going to be bad. <laughs> you know, it just was yeah. the most predictable thing in the world was knowing that, like, after you passed the books that the show was going to get bad. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. I mean, the show was never. It was That's okay. revisionist. It was, <laughs> it was great when it started. I remember when when uh, the last episode of Lost happened. I tweeted, uh, uh, "Amazing discovery show that we loved for years was terrible all along." Uh, something like that, um, which is kind of how I feel about Game of Thrones. People going like, "Oh, the ending." Why I didn't like the ending, so the whole thing sucked. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> But no, it was, it was it was entertaining. It was the great whole time. at the top. It was great up until five, or maybe six. I mean, yeah, it was always up and down. I, I was, I was, It's one of those things that is fun to get angry at because you're not writing it, and it's That's extremely true. hard to write something good. That's true. Um, anyways, but again, I'm Star Trek all day, every day, so I don't worry about that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like, like, let's talk about Star I, Trek. I don't know if I can tell uh, a good Star Trek episode from a bad Star Trek episode. I don't know that I I have that critical ability anymore. You gave me once a list of. Um, oh, did I give you that? The Star, Star Trek, Trek episodes, episodes to watch. Did to you watch. ever get into it? Okay, well, I I never got very far into so it. The list that I, I gave pretty you, much watched. I've I've watched all of the original series now, okay. but I and I've watched spotty parts of Next Generation. Next Generation. Um, and not much from the other ones, like little pieces of the other one. So the, the list that I gave you, I remember this, um, cause I was giving it to a lot of people at the same time was that I, the thing that I personally love on Star Trek, the storylines that I like the most are sort of like the space politics, the sort of like wider range of, Hey, this is the Federation. This is the Klingon empire, the Romulan empire, whatever. And this is how we interrelate to each other. So the episodes I gave you were really leading up to, it was the episodes where we met the Cardassians for the first time, kind of learned about the Maquis, which were, (laughs) yes, the Maquis who were, um, Federation and other citizens of space that were like caught between border disputes with the Cardassians, Cardassians and Federation, and then leading into Deep Space Nine and sort of the Cardassian Bajoran conflict, and then what ends up becoming the Dominion War. So, like, okay. the Dominion War is sort of the apex for me of Star Trek storytelling. Well, and all, everything I gave you was kind of like all the lead up to the Dominion War. And that's Dominion in War. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is the Dominion War. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Is it one particular season or part of Deep Space Nine, or is the whole starting at season arc three? Okay, starting at season three, it's sort of gearing up to war, and seasons five, six, and seven are the war. 
And then what comes after that? Voyager? Voyager is on concurrently as Deep Space Nine, but it's on another part of the galaxy, so none of this stuff is affecting them. Uh huh. And the next generation movies are happening at the same time as Deep Space Nine and Voyager. <clears throat> and then the shows that come after them are all prequels. So Enterprise happens, is sort of like the first, That's like the first in the one. timeline. It's 100 years beyond us. So it's just us in 100 years and our first you know, warp-capable Scott ship. Bakula. Scott Bakula going out exploring. It's we the have, first space explorer. Yeah, we have Vulcans uh, around that are kind of like our space mentors, and they're showing us the ropes of being part of an interstellar community. And then uh, Discovery, which is on right now on CBS All Access, takes place like 10 years before Kirk. Oh, okay. So the Enterprise so is out there and exists, and Captain Pike is the captain of it. But we're following this other ship, the Discovery. So chronologically, is that Dominion War the last thing that's happened in no, Star Trek Voy- universe? No, Voyager coming back, getting back to the Alpha Quadrant is like the last thing that we have seen chronologically. Okay. Because that's like three years after Deep Space Nine ends. But now this new Picard show is going to be 10 or 15 years after that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, what about the uh, the Orville? What I love the Orville. I, I thought Orville that was pretty good. good. I'm really enjoying where it's going because I think one of the things that they're doing on Orville is taking a lot of Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. and sort of like rewriting them for our era. Yeah, yeah. Like they're taking a lot of very specific next generation premises and being like, well, what's the difference now in 2019 if you're writing this uh, specifically with our like more sophisticated more, audience members mm-hmm. like it's better storytelling generally and it's also um more it's also more culturally. racially and gender aware yeah, completely than most of the uh, star trek stuff and it started as a comedy and i which drew me to it because i'm more of a fan of comedy than than drama and a lot of star trek is kind of drama yeah um even though there's a lot uh, of it is adventure it, it, it has a lot of genres within Star Trek. There are, there are funny episodes. There are really dramatic episodes. There are scary episodes. Sometimes there Scotty rips action. his shirt off and sword fights someone in hilarious. James Doohan was very <laughs> handsome in his day. <laughs> Shirtless Scotty was very handsome. Um, um, yeah. No, wait. Uh, so it, I really it wasn't Scotty. Who Kirk, was it? it was, Kirk's uh, shirt would come off. No, it was. Oh, Sulu. Sulu's shirt came off that one time when he was like high on. When he was sword fighting. Something and he yeah. was trying to fight everybody. Very handsome. Yes. Um. Yeah, so so for me, like I really enjoyed Discovery season one. Season two was a little confusing to me, but like just by virtue of having both Discovery and Orville, like I get my Star Trek fix. Mm-hmm. I am the happiest Star Trek fan that there is. So is Discovery pretty good? Is it like live up? The first theater? season I loved. I loved the first season. The second season there was more like time travel stuff involved, and yeah, that usually just makes my uh, my eyes roll. My eyes glaze over. So if somebody's getting into it right now, yeah. there's such an overwhelming amount of Star Trek. Yeah. What would you say? Start with the new, newest thing or just go back and do yeah, a little Yeah, I think back a lot of people who are newer Star Trek fans got into it via the J.J. Abrams movies. And I think that that's a pretty good primer for Discovery, you mm-hmm. know, because Discovery shares a lot of like aesthetics with it. So if like the aesthetic of those movies got you into it, Discovery is a really great place to start. Um, it's much more diverse than like other Star Treks. It's um, uh, generally written in kind of a Netflixy kind of uh, kind of way, where there's a season long arc. But you know, Deep Space Nine. That's my personal favorite Star Trek. Generally, I, the way I describe Star Trek uh, would be the Next Generation is Star Trek 101, 
it'll tell you everything you need to know about this world and you know what kind of stories are possible and uh, Deep Space Nine is advanced Star Trek so you know and they happen like right after each other so it's really easy to like watch one and then the other I think if you're like looking to just watch a couple episodes casually I would get into Next Generation especially like the later seasons it's not too much serialized stuff in there so you can really jump in at any point uh, Deep Space Nine you really have to start at like the beginning of season three and just power all the way through it because it is so rewarding. I just think it's, uh, I just think it's the best thing. It's, it's, you know, it's from the mid '90s when like serialization in TV was really starting to become mm-hmm. kind of more popular uh, on action shows. You know, there was always there in like soap operas and stuff, but like, um, you know, like uh, the X Files. It's, it's from the same era as the X Files. Mm-hmm. Um, or shows like that. Yeah, that's when they really started to rope us in. Like, you, yeah, yeah, there's going to be an ongoing thing. You have, you have to, to watch pay this story. Yeah, and Deep um, Space Nine was really it was really a a pioneer of that kind of storytelling. Yeah, and that's why it's gotten Which such a second life on uh, on Netflix. Things like Lost and Game of Thrones that are mm-hmm. fun to watch now. Exactly I'm all for right. it. Um, I sent you this. They. Oh yeah, I've read that. This fun thing: the the uh, NASA's uh, reconnaissance orbiter picked, <laughs> took a photo of something that looks suspiciously like the Star Trek. I like uh, you say suspiciously. Insignia. Like, well, what's the theory of the what case? What like, do you think is happening here? <laughs> we know what it is. <laughs> this is wind made a thing look like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> well, what they're saying is that they that these are probably sand dunes yeah. that the wind made, right. and then lava. Came ar- like flowed around the sand dunes. Okay, I and don't then, see any volcanoes in that picture. Well, uh, just there's a bunch of them right off the screen. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, they think that this is hard, like sort of like hardened, like uh, lava rock, okay. and that this is like a sand dune that got sort of encased in it. Um, there's a picture. If you pull back, there's a bunch of these sand dunes. It's not just one. There's there's like, okay, yeah. There's like a whole bunch of these sort of chevron-shaped dunes. Yeah. But it's kind of fun that it looked like a Star Trek. Uh, Star uh, Trek symbol. Symbol. Or, sort of that arrowhead kind of shape that you're aware of. Yeah. And um, it almost looks like there's a little rocket right there in the the apex of it. Um, but so you don't think that they came back to give us a message <laughs> I just, in the future. Things are allowed to look like things. I don't know. It's like <laughs> saying, you know, you saw Jesus in your toast. Okay, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. It's like... Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the face on Mars that... You yeah. Know, or the canals on Mars, even from the, like, 1890s or something. Yeah. Um, we like to see stuff on Mars. We like stuff that looks like other things. That's I, a human thing. We just love. We love things that look like things. We I, I love things that look like things. Mm-hmm. Um... Especially things that look like boobs and <laughs> and weed. Um, that was my segue to this last oh, is there story. Another image that looks like boobs now. No <laughs> weed. Oh. Um, this is a weed story. Uh, this kind of goes back to the chewing gum thing. They found evidence that humans uh, smoked weed in 500 years BCE, um, 2,500 years ago. They found these. Sure. How long ago did we think humans had started to smoke weed? I don't know. What I, was the previous? I guess record? I always thought that this was more of a modern thing, but I guess really, um, it makes sense, right? I mean, we knew that like people were growing hemp even in like the colonial era, right, or like before. Yeah, like and hemp. we have evidence of hemp ropes that go back way before this, even. Sure. To like 
way prehistoric so people days. using that so plant at some point like, somebody threw one on the fire and it uh got everybody high and they're like oh i've got an idea let's smoke this my understanding of human nature <laughs> <laughs> you were asking me before about like what's my theory of science generally yeah i think humans will experiment with anything so i think that like even when we found fucking flowers someone tried to burn it and see if something would happen oh yeah i, I don't think there's a plant on this planet that someone didn't try to ingest uh smoke sprinkle on their meat as flavoring <laughs> something you know the fact absolutely that, the fact that we have salt is kind of this amazing thing as flavor like we have it as flavoring and also as you know to preserve our food but just the fact that we have it I means someone was experimenting with all of these rocks you know <laughs> at they, the beach they, they, somebody's at the beach licking everything and right finally they're yeah. like hey this is well salt comes from salt two places right like great. you can filter ocean water or you can find sodium deposits in earth right yeah but i think most sodium uh chloride deposits on earth are around where water is okay. or was i remember uh traveling in poland a few years ago and going to this the salt mines and you oh, yeah. go like way way underground and there's all these really beautiful caves of like these old salt mines in poland where like you know they literally mined this stuff and um so, and they carved different rooms down there to be different things like there were different huh. there were chapels there are statues that people carved out of the walls there are all of these amazing sculptures that just the miners who were down there for years and years just like all right well we have our day's work over <laughs> here but I'm going to work on carving a chapel over there. So it like it looks like the Lord of the Rings. It looks like all those wow. dwarf and uh, you know the mines of Moria or something. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's completely real. Like that's what people were doing. And this is you know a hundred years. You went ago. down in there. Yeah. And yeah. so they're not mined anymore. They're just sort of like a. I don't know if they're mined anymore. Historical it didn't monument. look like it was. I think it's probably an inefficient way to get salt at this point. <laughs> Did you lick the walls? Yeah, you can lick the walls. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, this is the place where you can lick the walls. <laughs> I didn't because I was like, everyone fucking licks these walls. I'm not gonna lick the fucking walls. But people did. <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah. Completely gross. I would do it <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. And there's all these like beautiful statues, like really and, intricate, detailed statues. And then there wasn't there were. like a pepper mine right next door. <laughs> <laughs> there was a peppermint. <laughs> I mean, it's a bank, but peppermint. Yeah. yeah, they minted peppers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool, man. Well, there was weed twenty five hundred years ago. There was chewing gum. Well, so what did we learn 10, about weed twenty five years. years ago? So, this is so in, they found these in Asia, these pots in Asia. Um, yeah. So I mean, special had a shout out to our them, Asian but... friends for finding this, <laughs> for for uh, being pioneers in the smoking of weed. But they found these um, these these uh, uh, porcelain or whatever clay clay pots or something in this. Uh, a wooden braziers actually, and braziers wooden braziers like not bras, but uh, braziers meaning these wooden um, sort of uh, oh braziers the braziers no, I have no idea I don't know brazier it's a porn site right Bra- braz- <laughs> um, anyway these these wooden things that had burn marks in them so they they were used to like burn herbs or something or, or okay. you know probably cook meat or something but they. They like something like eight of the nine of them that they found had traces of THC and CBD in the burn marks on the wall. So yeah, they, they were definitely using them to, to get high. Yeah, except for the ninth out of 
nine, which was uh, uh, the the lame guy that wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't get high. Come on, Jerry, just get high with us. Um, well, he had work in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me logy. He was working for the Emperor Ming at the time, and you, you know you can't be high around that guy. Logi, logy. How do you say that? What are we talking about? There's a word that I'm trying to. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> um, so what do you think, Gil, from yeah. what we've learned today? What do you, what do you see as the, uh, the future? What's the future? How are things going to be? Are you, Gosh. Are you, you worried? Are you looking forward very, to Very, you know, uh, again, as someone who's like influenced so much by Star Trek growing up, so much of who I am, like I try to be so optimistic about the future. And, you know, I think we know, we know certain things are inevitable, right? Like I just think there's certain things that are inevitable for the survival of humanity or just like our our social evolution. One of those things is like eventually humans will stop eating animals. That's just going to happen, if not in our lifetime, within a few generations. Okay, it's going to happen. Um, do you um, not eat animals? I do currently. I was I I had taken a meat break at some point, but at some point we won't need to. Mm-hmm. Because we'll be able to get protein from uh, artificial animals and those kind of things. The possible burgers are delicious. They're right? very good. Um, and even like whatever the uh, the uncanny valley between that and regular meat is eventually going to close. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, just knowing the treatment of animals, that's going to become something that we just can't turn a blind eye to anymore. Like it's already starting where people are like, well, look at the we treat animals so, so badly. We're just not going to be able to reconcile that at some point in our future. Sure. Um, I think male circumcision will end within a few generations. And that's speaking, you know, as a Jewish man that, you know, I'm not, I don't think anything's wrong with my circumcision. I'm not mad at it. I just think it's one of those things that's going to be just going to be a very obvious thing to end at some point. As, as a, as a man who born in the seventies, who was never consulted about this, uh, and, and I was circumcised. I, you, I think it's a little barbaric. I, it I is a little barbaric. you shouldn't cut things sure. off of babies. Sure. Look, and, and I'm, I, I am a religious Jew. I do consider myself a person of religion. I don't theoretically have a problem with it. I just know that it's one of those inevitable things that will end at some point. It's going, yeah. it's going to stop because at some point people are going to say there's no, there's no necessity for this. Right. Um, it might have been at one point in the past due to right there was concerns. there were all these hygiene issues a thousand years ago but but now those things are over yeah okay um that there are things that are inevitable i think that that acknowledging climate change and changing our behavior with regards to the planet it's been inevitable it's been one of those things that we had to change and we still have been negligent in fucking doing it. Yeah. So as much of an optimist as I am about the world, if we don't really, 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 really make some drastic changes, you know, the uh, I forgot who, who it was that said this to me, and I think this is a common refrain among scientists, is like, we're not going to end the Earth. The Earth is going to be fine. Oh, the, yeah. The Earth is going to be It'll fine. It'll still be here. We're going to end humanity. It depends what will be here. Now. Right, exactly. exactly. So, you know, the, th- the, the planet will superheat beyond our ability to exist on this planet, you know, and it's just not going to be sustainable for us. And that's also one of those inevitabilities if we don't change our yeah. path. Yeah, it might just burn us off like a fever because it's tired of us voting for so, Trump. <laughs> so I think there are, are inevitabilities in this world. Um, I, uh, 
would like to see things like the EM drive succeed or different kinds of, you know, if there's any kind of push for um, space exploration would be wonderful. I just... You think we'll be able to get a, a colony on the moon and Mars and other places before we fuck it up? I'm a little bit... I'm, the thing is I'm like... mostly optimistic. The problem is with human nature as we are currently there's no way that those things don't become corporatized and become you know yeah like elysium, very, you know the movie elysium where all the elysium, rich people sure. live off the earth and right. then earth has become a hellscape yeah yeah i mean i think i think about like robert heinlein you know like the the colonies on the moon that are super sterile and earth is basically is it stranger in strange land is it heinlein i wasn't i th- I don't know, but uh, I was thinking about his short stories. Okay, um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I what I think about, and I just worry that like we just live in a super corporatized universe where you know it's exactly that. You know, not to be a guy who quotes Fight Club, but it is that exact thing, right? The Starbucks Nebula and the <laughs> you know a Planet Best Buy or whatever. Yeah, like that's what you're gonna see in the next hundred years. Yeah, if we unless make, we, fi- if we make unless it to we Mars, can, you know. We figure have, out some sort of egalitarian. We have to rise beyond world. our our petty system. Yeah. Um, so I know that's a pessimistic note, but I think there it's are hard to be optimistic. There are positive uh, inevitabilities, right? Like the idea that we will eventually stop eating animals or treating them so cruelly, even if we mm-hmm. do continue to eat them. And, and eventually, um, male circumcision will end. <laughs> those are the things. Those are the things I know. At just uh, as a person who can look at the world around them, I know these things are inevitable. We're we're a fairly intelligent and adaptable species, so I'm somewhat, and on my better days, I'm optimistic that we can figure our way out of this. But um, yeah, you're right. We need to really make. Some, it has to be really drastic. Need to make some drastic changes. I, I, every couple and of years, soon. no, not every couple. Of years, every couple of months, you see an article that's like, if we don't change by 2030, if we don't change by 2050. But you know, they used to say 2010. Like those articles used to say 2010. And they weren't wrong. We are past the point of no return. Well, they said, uh, yeah, all, all of the... Um, the we, we already know that Miami's underwater. There's Exactly. All, all of the uh, uh, reports from the 90s about the teens that we're in now were uh, too conservative. <clears throat> yeah. Our, our, we've, we've heated up and the weather has become worse than they predicted it would. Yeah. So like, I know that... Right, we had an in, extended winter here in L.A., and that is absolutely an effect of climate change. Yeah, which was nice. <laughs> it was yeah, sure it was nice, but it's one of those things. It's not. It's global warming on we sort of a, a wide scale. A, a ton of rain this year. We which had a is bunch great. of rain. Yeah. Um, so it was nice for the moment, but like understanding that that's actually so scary and frightening that we had a winter that lasted so long. Yeah. And also, last week, there were a hundred tornadoes across the Midwest. Yeah. So, we're, you know, what's our weather today outside? We're in the 80s today? Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm higher? sweating a little. It, yeah, it feels like a high 80s. And that's four days after it being it, cold. It was cold, yeah. True that. And um, well, the, the power is out in half of South America for two days. It, there, there's scary things. Well, Venezuela, you know, all that stuff is happening happening politically that they're like turning yeah. off the power on purpose and stuff. And every, yeah, it's horrible. And of course, people are like um, migrating all over in on every continent. People are migrating because of um, either the weather or uh, political strife. Often, 
made worse by the weather. Anyways. Yeah, so look, I <laughs> hope that people start watching Star Trek and start getting that like we can work together, that amazing things are possible if yeah. we just like team up. I mean, we should be the Avengers. The Human- beings humanity that were be white on one side and black on the other got to uh, make peace with make the beings, peace that, with were beings were with, that were black, black on, on the, the other, other side. side. <laughs> and sure. I mean, if they if can, they can, can do get it. together, <laughs> then we all can do it. Exactly. If we can make peace with the Klingons. Right. Yeah. Did did they? Yeah. Okay. You never saw Star Trek Six? That's one of the best ones. Um yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my philosophy. I just want us to all, you know, uh get over our egos and really work together because there's nothing humanity can't do if we're actually all pointed in the same direction and focused on one goal. Yeah. Especially if we can find a way to make people f- more free from fear and uh, you know, need yeah um then it's easier to pay attention to making the world a better place anyways anywho (laughs) in the meantime you should go to the following things (laughs) the pacella comedy music festival is going to be june 28th through 30th at the pack theater Uh, it's three days of comedy and music Uh, every show there is pay what you can Uh, you can find every one of the uh, events on eventbrite or on facebook uh, you can mm-hmm. find us at Pacella on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. It's um, just a fun weekend to be there, too, because there's going to be food trucks and there's going to be uh, like shows every night. People from SNL, people from that's right, from RuPaul's Drag Race, people right. from uh, Pitch Perfect and, Pitch and, Perfect. and E and all sorts of other things. Yeah. Um, Stand-ups, cool. dancers, burlesque people, uh, musicians, bands. The whole weekend caps off with Hellcross doing a concert oh yeah this uh, comedy metal band that's amazing yeah hellcross um and uh you know this part isn't going to be filmed but you might see a boob oh you might that's true you might see a boob <laughs> you might even see two if you're lucky you might see two or three <laughs> probably not four <laughs> um also you have the uh your late night tonight which is a talk show that has a different uh host every month and that's, that's right. uh with tone bell in in july, july. it's going to be tone bell I believe that's either the 12th or the 14th. But you can find us also on Twitter and Instagram at Your Late Night, and uh, all the announcements are going to be coming up for that. And what's what are your um, online uh, oh, me? bona fides? Oh, you guys want to know about me? Where can people follow you? <laughs> I'm at GJ Baron, G-J-B-A-R-O-N, at, uh, uh, on all the things. I was what's about to give you my full email. Uh, on all the things, <laughs> on Instagram and on Twitter and everything. What's the J? Uh, Joseph. With an F at the oh, end. Oh, me too. Right. Oh, not with an F. Well, you know. Although, I was named after my grandfather, whose name was Giuseppe, with a G-I, but I'm, my name is Joseph. Yeah, well, we're Israeli, and my parents didn't know, so they put an F at the end. So. Yeah, well, yeah, Sicily's right across the Yeah, we're right the across the Mediterranean. Absolutely. Um, that's great. Um, our, our, our ancestors might have... Uh, <laughs> canoed past each other <laughs> for sure at some point did you see that um, back in the day that snl sketch the andy samberg and justin timberlake one where they play their grandfathers on the boat to america <laughs> and timberlake plays like super irish and and uh oh, andy samberg plays like a rabbi <laughs> i think i did <laughs> what was the gist of it what was it oh, it was like one day i will have a grandson who will bring sexy back <laughs> i don't know where it'll go but uh, and oh, okay. my and my grandson will make stupid faces on maybe on a Saturday night variety show. I don't know. 
<laughs> like, and then at the end, Timberlake's, ah, you're all right, Jew. And, and uh, Sandberg goes, ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my thoughts exactly, Gil. You're all right, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, you can. Uh, so we're back. Uh, Science AF is back. It's it's just me as uh, the royal we, um, and I'm going to try to be weekly again. Um, so I hope your feed is still active after two months of downtime. Find us at scienceafpod.com, and you can email me, Dave, at scienceafpod.com. You can follow me at Dave Chacho on all of the devices and platforms. That's it. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Let's do a little science-y out- outro. Science-y out. And then we'll be done. Science-y out. Science-y out. Science is fuck.